You're listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from denverstiffs.com, Adam Mates. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mates, denverstiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. Check us out. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. This episode of the show, I'm going to provide some notes. I thought the game against Chicago was very interesting. You know, it was a, a Friday game, and it was coming on the heels of a pretty big week for, for me, so did not get to that, but want to get to some of the little notes today. In the second part, I want to look at some of the stats from the preseason. I, I, I know it's just preseason, and these stats are largely noisy and meaningless, but there's some things that I think will provide interesting launch points for discussion. So I want to, in the second segment, I'm going to go over that. And in the final segment, I'm going to give you my four takeaways. I only had four takeaways from preseason. I don't think there was a whole lot of takeaways you could have, but I have four, um, and I wanted to share those. Tomorrow's show will be a preview show. So tomorrow will be the big preview where we talk about the season and, and you know predictions and things like that. But uh, before we get to there, <clears throat> we'll, we'll start with uh, – actually, before we get there, I want to say two, two big announcements. First, if you did not check out the last – the previous two episodes of the show, stop this one right now and go back and do it. The last two shows, part it was a documentary, a two-part documentary on Will Barton that to me is the greatest podcast I've ever done. It's, it's probably the greatest thing I've ever worked on. So if you have not checked that out – Pause it now. I have been working behind the scenes for several months to piece together um, the, what I think was a fantastic story on Will Barton. He, he had him on the show, had Tim Conley, had uh, Will Barton's personal trainer, Damian Lillard, Gary Harris, Nikola Jokic, Mason Plumley, Darrell Arthur. Just had so many different people help and contribute to this documentary on Will Barton. And I think whether you're a fan of Will or not, whether you're a fan of documentaries or not, I think you would really find a lot of interesting insights into Will Barton as a person and as a player, but also insights into the team as a whole. I mean, there was some really good stuff about the Jokic-Barton dynamics and, and how those two get along and have chemistry on the court. Um, Gary Harris and Will Barton's friendship and relationship off of the court. There was just so many great things there. So stop what you're doing. Go and check out that show because I thought it was absolutely fantastic and um and I think a lot of people missed out on it, quite frankly. So, so go ahead, go back and check that one out. Uh, I also want to say our watch party this this Wednesday. We are teaming up with the Denver Nuggets to throw the best watch party we've ever been a part of. I'm really excited. Wednesday, seven o'clock. It's going to be both a kickoff event or tip off event and a watch party. The Nuggets will be in Los Angeles. Start uh, their first game of the year against the Los Angeles Clippers. That game tips off at eight thirty, but our party starts at seven o'clock. So come on out. We're going to have cool stuff going on lots of prizes Budweiser is a sponsor for the event so they will be um you know giving away beer and 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 some great drink specials that they're a part of so come and check that out Altitude TV is bringing a crew so you can get on TV get on the broadcast and show them uh, you know they'll cut in and out to to show the watch party there'll be games there's a photo booth that I'll be running there's just gonna be some cool stuff so show up uh come have a good time come say hi to me and let's tip off this season right because I think it's a fun season. There's a lot of excitement. All right, let's get into the notes uh, from the game against the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the last preseason game of the year, starters played quite a few minutes. Um, my first note in here, and these are just going to be kind of loose notes, guys. There's no like single thread that ties these together. In fact, I only have three or four, actually five of them. Um, the first one, Jamal Murray got his pocket picked in the backcourt early on in this game. 
He was being defended by Chris Dunn. I think Chris Dunn, a very good defender, on-ball on defender especially. He's very good at applying pressure in the backcourt. He's long, he's springy, he's quick, he's tough. Um, so that's a really tough matchup for, for Jamal. But, you know, one of the questions I have for him as a young player through two seasons is just his handle and his ability to handle pressure like that. And him getting – you don't see NBA guys get their pocket picked in the backcourt, especially point guards, very often. It's a very, very rare thing. So the fact that it happened was noteworthy. And then immediately after he got his pocket picked, you know, get two points the other way, points off turnovers, um, they brought Will Barton up to bring the ball up court. So rather than have Murray sort of fight through that, they went away from it. And to me, that provides at least a little indication that that's something that, that Murray still has to work on. And, and maybe it's something that teams will start to scout and start to see with Jamal and, and start to apply a little bit more pressure. So um, I thought that was really noteworthy. I don't think it's like obviously like a big a big thing. Murray's been tested a lot. If you recall last year's preseason game, Jamal Murray gets the start. I think it was Chris Paul who was guarding him, and Chris Paul pressured him the full length of the court and got a handful of steals. So this is the thing that Jamal Murray um, has to work on in his game, but it was noteworthy in that moment. Nikola Jokic, defensively, I thought that the team tried to treat this game, especially in that first quarter, as a regular season game with regular season intensity uh, and to mixed results. But one of the notes I have in here is that the, Jokic showed on the pick and roll pretty well for, for some um, – you know, for some possessions, not every single one. There were some real lapses, but he had a couple noteworthy ones where he showed two or three times in a single possession uh, where, you know, the big comes up to set the on-ball screen. And when I say when I say show on the pick and roll, you know, they're they want him to or it appears as though they want him to attack the ball handler rather than drop back and, and sort of play three or four feet behind the level of the screen. They wanted him all the way up at the level of the screen to meet the ball handler and to sort of like stop him so that the ball handler cannot turn the corner on that screen and start attacking into the paint. So they had him show all the way up. And this is hard to do, by the way, as a defender, you have to be in phenomenal shape to execute this properly because you have to cover a lot of ground and you have to cover it in multiple uh, directions. So what Jokic has to do is he sees his guy coming up to set the screen. He first of all has to anticipate it and anticipation is one thing that I think Jokic actually lacks on the defensive end. I think he's actually surprisingly bad at anticipating certain th like when the screen is coming and what side the ball handler is trying to attack. I think he can I think one way Malone can really reach him as a defender is you know, Jokic likes to outthink people. It's part of what makes the game so fun for him. And I think presenting defense in that way of like Jokic, what right now, what's happening? What's about to happen? Where think about when your guy is about to become the screener and when you're going to be involved. Because the more you're thinking forward, the more like when it happens, you're already prepared for it because you're already thinking, okay, this is a thing he might do. Well, there was a handful of possessions in this game where Jokic did, you know, recognize that really well, showed all the way up to the level of the screen, got pressure on the ball handler and made him pick it up. In one possession, I put this on Twitter last night on on my personal handle, uh, Adam Matas, that he showed once they they you know the roller rolls, he recovers, then the the roller goes back up to set another screen, and he applied it so much pressure that Zach Levine actually forced a turnover. He traveled, um, and that was a very very good play. He also had great support 
on the backside. There was guys rotating, you know, to, to sort of cover for each other, and guys were locked in. So that that I thought was very encouraging. There was a handful of, I would say, pretty good examples. There was a handful of really bad ones, but there was a handful of good examples, and I think that's encouraging. Another thing I saw, there was one possession in particular. I should have screen grabbed it, but the show on the backside. So if you imagine there's t- there's a player in the corner, offensive player in the corner, and the play I'm thinking of, Will Barton was the defender on the corner. The ball's on the opposite side, so there's he's in help side. Will Barton's in help side. He, the furthest his man is the furthest from the basketball, so he's in help side. And one of the things, one of the complaints I had for the Denver, whether by design or by execution, was that backside help guy last year was often um, late to tag the roll man. Um, he would commit to the roll man after the pass happened. And then at that point, you have momentum going away from your defender in the corner. And so if that guy made a quick, you know, either touch pass or if 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 they were able to break down and, and kick it to the open three-point guy, Barton or the, the defender in help would have to roll one direction, tag the roller, then stop, turn, turn momentum in the other direction and close out. That's just impossible. That's almost impossible to do. But what happened in this possession I'm thinking of, and, and I noticed it a couple times in the game, was Barton, and again, once again, anticipated the roll, was early to tag, tagged basically before the roller got the ball, um, and by doing that, he was able to stop the roller short, make that roller sort of make a decision, and then he only had one direction to sort of close out, so it was like a dead sprint as soon as you know, Jokic or Plumlee, whoever it was, whoever recovered to the rolling man, Bart only had one direction to go, so that was really, I thought, really, really uh, encouraging. Another note I have in here, Jokic used his left hand on a jump hook, uh, a nice post-up, and he finished with the left hand, shot it with confidence, and I think that's huge. Um, He doesn't do that very often. He likes to shoot right-handed even when he goes over that shoulder where it looks natural to go to his left a lot of times last year, and he's kind of sneaky. He's actually really good at this. But he would fake the left hand and then go up right, and and it would catch guys off rhythm. Like he's just such an awkward sometimes scorer that guys would be like, "What the heck?" Well, he went to his left this time, shot it with confidence, and made it. It was really nice. If he improves and becomes a guy that can finish with either hand, right now I would say he's not that guy. But if that's a piece that he added to his game this off season, even if it's just a work in progress, but it's something he has, I think that's huge for him. It makes him a much more, much more of a threat, especially in like one on one situations. There was a possession in the third quarter, another note I have here, a possession in the third quarter where the ball was really popping, but you can see the difference in chemistry between Barton, Jokic, Harris, and Murray, and then Paul Millsap, because there was this play in particular, and maybe I'll screen grab it and throw it on Twitter as well, where the ball worked around the horn, a guy drove, kicks out, works around the horn again, and finds his way to Millsap, and if Millsap would have just swung the ball, there was a wide open, uh, I think a wide open Will Barton on the backside that could have either shot the three or if his guy over pursued could have attacked and collapsed the defense there. So they were so close to having this beautiful um, Spursian type eight pass possession, but it got it found its way to, to Millsap and Millsap for whatever reason decided to try to attack. It wasn't there and he was very slow to sort of reset the offense and 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 it ended. It actually ended with a Jamal Murray three pointer off of the dribble, which was really really a filthy shot. But the point remains, um there was you can just tell where Millsap is still sort of figuring things out. But the thing I was encouraged by was a handful of times like that, I think Millsap sort of sees it and there's so much trust on this team 
And those four guys I just mentioned, besides Millsap, there's you just know that when the ball gets moving like that, that they're gonna find the open guy. And I think when I think it was one of those things where Millsap realized, like, hey, man, I just gotta trust if it's not there wide open, I gotta trust that these guys will make something of it because there's so much talent. Um, so just something to kind of keep an eye on. And then in that third quarter, you know, this was a big issue for the Nuggets, especially the starters last year, was letting teams back in the game in the third quarter. Well, there was a few bad offensive possessions in this in in that third quarter that allowed the the Bulls to get back in the game and Denver that's where Denver doesn't necessarily rely on stops very well you know they can fall back on their offense out gunning teams but in times when they need to get a stop you know when they don't score three four five times in a row teams tend to go on big big runs on them not just I mean every team that doesn't score on four or five possessions is going to give up a run but Denver has a tendency to, when they don't score on four or five possessions, they end up allowing the other team to score on four or five possessions. So it almost always is not just a run, but a big one. That happened in the third quarter, and I thought it was noteworthy. But there's a, there's a flip side to that. So the team was taking some quick shots. But the flip side of that, I, I, the, my final note in here was that Denver's guards, Will Barton, Jamal Murray, and Gary Harris, all had an, ex, an especially quick trigger um, tonight and are in that game. And I think they, that's been the case all preseason really. And I think it's actually overall a very good thing. We know that part of what makes Steph Curry so dangerous is that he's capable obviously of making any shot on the court, but he's so willing to shoot tough shots and quick shots and it, the littlest bit of daylight he's ready to, to shoot. So what it does is it causes the defense to overreact or really it's not even overreacting when it's Steph Curry, but you know, it, it causes them to just like over pursue pick and rolls and play so far and spread the teams out so much. Well, Denver has three guys that are capable of being 40% three point shooters or better on volume this year in Barton, Harris and Murray. And so with the three of them, they didn't, I didn't, I don't think they shot the ball necessarily great on these shots that I'm thinking of these quick, you know, B plus shots that can really open up the game if you knock them down. But the fact that they're all willing to take them, you know, there's going to be nights as Denver sort of learns the balance between when to kind of go for those and when not to. And, and as they start to hit more and more of those, I just think it really opens up things. I mean, you think about how much, how difficult it is to guard clay and Curry because they're both such quick shooters, but also such deadly ones. Well, Murray, Harris, and Barton, all three can be a well above average three-point shooters to elite three-point shooters. And when they're shooting quick like that, I think there's an upside for Denver to be very, very good. I want to get into some of the statistics um, from this preseason. But before I do, I want to promote a new sponsor of the show, which is The Athletic. I don't know if you guys have checked out The Athletic yet or not, but I highly recommend them. They have so many great writers especially in the NBA they have a handful of my favorite writers quite frankly Ethan Strauss might be you know my number one favorite writer out there or he's certainly top three or four um, he writes for the national site Nick Cosmiter good friend of mine and a terrific writer very creative guy insightful guy just a pros pro um, he's covering the Denver beat there and what I like you know I got to spend a lot of time with Nick while I was out in San Diego and what I really liked and was pleasantly surprised to hear is that he doesn't get assignments. He's not he's not being told you have to write this and, oh, every game we need a gamer from you and this and that. What I like about The Athletic and what their model is is they believe in their writers and they allow their writers to come up with their own stories as frequently or infrequently as they want. So a guy like Nick, who's a fantastic writer, very good observe, just sort of observer, he makes great observations about the team, he gets to sort of pick and choose when he wants to write. So you know that when he writes, he's writing something great. Uh, and that's what I like about it. 
it. So, you know, you can really check it out. It's a subscription model, but another one of the things that comes with a subscription model is there's no ads, there's no pop-ups, there's no autoplay videos, there's no annoying layout. It's a beautifully laid out site and you really get what you want um, fr from your market and from the national market. Um, so it's an absolutely great uh, a great option for you if you're looking for even more Nuggets coverage. Um, it goes beyond just the, that trip, typical speculation. You're not going to have um, you're not. One of the things I really, really hate in in journalism is clickbait headlines and misleading headlines and things that make you think, oh, you got to click on this because it's so fascinating. You're never going to see that with the Athletic. They're gonna what they they're gonna present their articles in a very, very honest way. So I think it's I think it's just great. They have 650 to 700 news stories published every single week across all of the sports. So it's one of those things where you don't just have to buy it for the Nuggets coverage. Maybe you're a fan of teams out of market. Maybe you're a fan of of teams in market. They've got great people covering all the different beats um so they're just absolutely fantastic and then of course it wouldn't be a promotion it wouldn't be a sponsorship if we didn't have uh, a special deal with you you can get 40 percent off of the athletic because you listen to this show and because they support this show what you need to do is go to theathletic.com forward slash locked on nba that's theathletic.com forward slash locked on nba and you'll get a nice discount uh, when you do, 40% off your first year. It comes down to just $2.99 a month. A ridiculously cheap deal, um, and I highly recommend it. Again, theathletic.com forward slash NBA. All right, let's get into some stats from the preseason. And I have to preface this by saying stats from the preseason is really, really ridiculous to draw conclusions from. I think what I want to do here is is sort of ask some questions about this and and sort of present some ideas, maybe just kind of like, oh, hey, here's a thing. Let's check on this as the season progresses. First of all, through five games, you would not draw conclusions anyway from like when you we talk, we're going to talk about per 100 possession stuff. A lot of this stuff, you know, there's only like four or five hundred possessions to go off of total anyway. So um, it, this is not like the, the data is not that great. Nonetheless, these are things that to me stick out a little bit it, it, just as sort of noteworthy. OK, let's keep these in the back in our back pocket or in the back of our mind. The first is that the Nuggets offensive rating was 102.9. That's really, really low, uh, especially for a Denver Nuggets team. Um you know, I think that the offense, the team did not shoot well. That was the, that was the number one thing is the team just, I think, could uh, knock down a lot more shots than they did. And this is this is indicative of preseason. Nikola Jokic, you know, dealing with the finger thing, you know, he didn't shoot the ball necessarily great for a lot of those games. Um, so I th so I think that's part of it. And then, of course, you know, Gary Harris missed two games. Jamal Murray missed one. You take away your two best shooters, and, of course, you're not going to shoot the ball well. But 102.9 offensive rating, um, very, very interesting. I would bet, I would wager money that Denver's offensive rating is going to be absolute fire through the first couple games. So we'll find out, knock on wood, but um, but that was noteworthy. 97.5 defensive rating, even more no noteworthy. Now, when we do these offensive rating and defensive rating, I, I should I should add this every, every now and then just to remind people. That's how many points you score per 100 possessions and how many points you allow. So a game is usually somewhere right around 100 possessions, um, but some teams play fast, some teams play slow. So to make everything equal, we, we talk about them in a per 100 possession uh, context. Well, Denver's scoring about 103 per 100 possessions, and they're allowing 97.5, so it's a positive of about 5.4. Five um, 
And the defensive rating, first of all, is ridiculous. 97.5. Denver will not have a 97.5 defensive rating. That will not happen. I'm just going to throw that out there. Will not happen. That would They would lead the NBA if that, if that were the case. Um, but, it, but it is, I think, encouraging to at least some degree to say, okay, they played five games and their defense was pretty good. I mean, it was not the, you know, the 28th best one or whatever it was for last year. It was 97.5. is very, very encouraging. 67.9% of their baskets were, uh, I'm sorry, assist percentage on 67.9% of their best. That's second best in the NBA, only to Dallas. The team, the Nuggets team is just a great passing team. As much as they're a great offensive team, the number one thing I think you could say, they're a great offensive team for, for a, a variety of reasons, ranked you know, obviously the brilliance of Nikola Jokic, I think, would probably be number one. I think number two might be just the collective passing of the team. There's a lot of guys that can make plays uh, off of the dribble, standing still, stationary. Um, that's great. The rebounding is great. The shooting is great. But that their ability to pass is really, really good. And the fact that they were in the preseason second only to Dallas, who plays several point guards at the same time, I think that's really, really encouraging for Denver. Um I think there's going to be a lot of 20 plus assist games for Denver this year. I would not be surprised if we even had a, you know, a couple 30 assist games or more. So Denver's just a great passing team, and that was evident even in the preseason. Offensive rebound percentage 27.3. That was below average. This is really noteworthy to me because one of the questions I had, um, and actually this is a twofold thing. First is. You know, their they, they're size, they play a lot of big ball. Uh, I've talked about this on the show before, but playing with Millsap and Jokic, a lot of minutes, two traditional bigs, you know, you would think that you can control the glass. Um, well, what's interesting is last year they were very good at this, but to be back half in the league early on is interesting. But here's what's even crazier. They were third in the NBA in second chance points. So the fact that they didn't grab a ton of offensive rebounds, but when they did, they converted them, that's very noteworthy to me. It makes me wonder if there's something there. Now, again, it's a five-game sample size, but Denver was always good at second-chance points. They were good last year. Um, so the fact that they were still good at this, even though their their rebound numbers fell, um, you know, I'm filing that for sure in the back of my mind. Defensive rebound percentage, they were seventh. Um, they, I think they were number two last year, so that that consistent with, with where they are. Turnover percentage. They had the fifth worst turnover percentage in the NBA, and I think anybody that watched them play realizes this is a trend that I think, as much as we can't draw conclusions off, I think turnovers are going to be a big story all year. Now, a team that passes as well as they do, and the assisted shots are such a big part of their offense, you're going to have a lot of turnovers. So part of this is you have to sacrifice something sometimes, and I, I think that Denver worrying too much about their turnovers can doom them because they are going to be they're just going to make a lot of passes and you don't want guys not passing the ball so um part of this is is, is to just to be assumed but at the same time 26th you want to but you want to get a little bit better at that you want to start to chip away and I think Jokic obviously a, a big contributor I think he averaged over four turnovers per game uh in the preseason which is pretty high here's another crazy stat though as much as they turn the ball over, points off of turnover, they were a positive 6.4 uh, per per game. So even though they were turning the ball over more than just about anybody, they were converting, they were not allowing those turnovers to turn into converted points. So uh, I would be very interested. I didn't do for the show, but I would be interested to see what where they ranked in terms of live ball turnovers as opposed to just all overall turnovers in the preseason. Um, but they outscored opponents in points off of turnovers. 
Um, and, and again, part of this might be skewed from that Chicago game. Another note, I know I saw a lot of people talking about the defense so great they're forcing turnovers. I mean, there were some really bad plays by the guards in Chicago. Chicago, not a great team, I don't think. Uh, very, very young team. Free throw attempt rate. The Nuggets got uh, to the free throw line the seventh most frequent of all the teams in the NBA. That's another thing that's noteworthy to me. This is another trait of a Nikola Jokic team. He's a very good foul drawer, but teams, I think, in general, Denver's just very good at sort of getting to the foul line. They have been for the last couple of years, but seventh, that's good. Opponent free throw attempt rate, they were the, allowed the third fewest. This is another trait, again, of both Nikola Jokic and of the Nuggets at large that as bad as their defense was last year, one thing they were good at was not allowing teams to get to the free throw line. And I think this is especially important at home in Denver because the altitude, a free throw, when I'm tired and out of shape and playing a basketball game, the free throws are like a, they're a blessing. You know, you get you get to take a solid 45 seconds off to just catch your breath while this guy shoots free throws. You don't want to do that if you're Denver. You want teams to wear down. Your offense wears teams down. So not not fouling and not putting guys on the free throw line is really, really big. The fact that they had the third lowest opponent free throw attempt rate is a very, very positive sign. Opponent fast break points, 28th. Um, they were very, very bad at this. So what's weird is points off of turnovers, they were not bad. But yet fast breaks were. Denver was very, very bad at guarding transition. Now, granted, they did play the Lakers twice. And the Lakers are one of the – I mean, transition was basically all they had offensively. Um, they were not great in the half court. The Lakers weren't. So they did play, I think, arguably the best team in transition this year, maybe besides the Warriors. Um, but – but still, 28th, something to keep an eye on. As bad as their defense is, you got to look for ways that they can be better. Opponent points in the paint, middle. This is interesting to me because opponent three-point field goal attempts and a point, opponent three-point field goal percentage, both also in the middle. Now, I've talked about this a lot. I've, I've talked about how Denver had seems to have emphasized last year not allowing paint points. Malone did an excellent article with Gina Mizell, the post, her final one before she left the post, about um, that balance between, you know, allowing the shots. Where, where do you, if you have to give up something, are you giving up one or the other? Well, the fact that they, so last year I think they were, you know, relatively good at, protecting the paint but they gave up a ton of kick out threes especially to the corners uh, a ton of assisted three-point field goal attempts well now you look at it it's not that they've improved overall it's that they've improved that in that they're now more middle of the road and I think what's good about that why I think that's a win like if you were 30th and and points in the paint but first in three pointers like I think teams what happens is teams can scout you and they know and this happened I thought last year the, the Nuggets played the Cavs back to back last year and anytime you have to face LeBron James back to back like he figures you out he's like the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park like he, he tests the fences and then after a while he just gets it well the Nuggets beat him in Cleveland and come back and I think LeBron had seven assists on the first seven possessions and I think part of that was he watched the film he goes oh Denver is overemphasizing this paint and their rotations are so obvious that he comes out and he guns skip passes to the corner blind in some cases skip passes the corner because he knew Denver's defensive identity well now you know you you adjust things just a little bit to make it a little less obvious and now teams actually have to work for it so the fact that Denver went from you know th they weren't 30th and and first but they were somewhere like that where they were more extreme on one end than the other now you make it a little bit more balanced I just I, I think that's a positive thing so that's the stat to me at least Early in the season is something that I uh, that caught my attention. Another thing that caught my attention, 
Our sponsor, Vivid Seats. We all love a night out, especially to watch a game, but maybe it's a, to watch a band or to be at a show, be in a crowd just to cheer on uh, you know, our favorite team or an event. Uh, with Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert show or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. It's got a great layout on their app. And to make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers for new customers to receive $20 off of orders of $200 or more so you can save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play, whatever you use to get your apps. Download Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's how you activate that $20 off of any purchase of $200 or more if you're a new customer. And then every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. So from the biggest concerts, games, hottest theater, whatever you want, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app. Enter that promo code LOCKEDON. Uh, and and you're all set to go. All right, just want to remind you before we get out of here, final section. Actually, I got a whole. I'm going to do the four takeaways from the preseason. But before I do that, just remind you our watch party Wednesday. Uh, come join me. Seven o'clock. Everything kicks out at the Ryan House. It's right there on Fifteenth and Market, right across from the Celtic. So if you came to our Celtic ones, come to this one. There's gonna be. I mean, there's such a good chance if you show up to this. As first of all, it's gonna be a blast. The drink specials are great. The food's great. Everything's gonna be great. But another thing that you got if you come to this, you, there's a great chance you're gonna win something. Um, whether that is tickets to the Nuggets home opener, which is Saturday, you might win tickets to that. Maybe you'll win tickets to another game. There's going to be giveaways like jerseys and um, you know stuff like that, merchandise, autograph stuff. So come and check it out. It's going to be 7 o'clock Wednesday kickoff. We're going to watch the Clippers game. We kick off at 7 o'clock. We're going to have DJ Pause there, live broadcast of Altitude Television that will cut in. Um, we'll have an MC. We'll just have lots of really cool stuff. So come and check us out. And make sure you say hi. I always like meeting people at these. This is my favorite thing is is getting to connect with people that, that listen to the show. All right, let's get into four takeaways from the preseason. The number one takeaway for me, the bench improved. Um, again, it's only five games, but I feel confident thinking that Mason, that first of all, you know, Mason Plumley has always been good. Um, even I mean, last year, the year before, he's always he's always a good player. He brings a lot to the table. Um, but he's he, I think you really, really saw that in the preseason even more because he had an actual point guard playing with him in Monte Morris. Monte Morris, I think, is very good, especially for a backup point guard. I'm curious to see um, just how he handles the regular season and 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 running that second unit. But those two guys, I think um, when you have your center and you have your point guard solidified with that second unit, I think you're really, really good. And then Trey Lyles just looks like it and the hype. So far, I think he lived up to the hype of the preseason and that he looks like a guy who, I mean, he's so tall. He's 6'10". He's basically almost as tall as Jokic. He's so mobile. He can shoot the three. He shoots with confidence. And then his passing just went to a whole nother level. So the bench, I think, is going to be solid. Um, that, that would be takeaway number one. And I think that's enough. First of all, that's enough. If the bench is good, Denver's upside is so much better. Last year, the bench was a disaster, an absolute disaster. So just not having a disaster of a bench, even if it's just a net neutral or a slight negative, that's a big win for Denver. But I actually think it's going to be a positive, either a slight positive or a major one. Um, in the preseason, that bench carried the team uh, through games. So I'll be curious to see if that carries over into next week when, or this week and next as the season gets going. And that brings me to my second takeaway, which is this team is good. 
Um, it was evident, I thought, in the first two Lakers games. Just, you know what? The Nuggets are a good team with a lot of talent, a lot of different players. You look out and you see some of these other teams and you're like, okay, that's a weak spot. That's a weak spot. With Denver, I mean, they roll eight deep before you start to think, okay, that's a little bit of a, a weak spot. You could say seven deep. If you talk Trey and, and Mason, it's surefire. Like th- those guys are not a miss. They're they are going to be better than their opponents on most nights. But then you go, you know, I think Monte Morris can be solid. Torrey Craig, uh, Wancho, Malik Beasley, those guys I think can be solid. The, the, I think the Nuggets are just a good team. That starting unit is good. They're crisp. They've got talent. They've got a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. So my second takeaway is just that this Nuggets team is good. They expect there's pressure on them this year to perform, and for good reason, because they are good. If they miss out on the playoffs and underperform this year, it'll be clear that it's not because of a lack of talent. This team is a very talented roster, and they fit the pieces fit very nicely. Takeaway number three. Trey Lyles is the X factor. It's funny. I, I coming into the season, I talked about my X factor was Jamal Murray and Will Barton, and uh, I don't think that anymore. Both of those guys are certainly X factors to some degree, and I think we saw with Jamal Murray that he's he's in line for a leap. He talked today at practice about how he wants to win Most Improved Player. It's sort of a goal of his, uh, and I think that's a great goal for him. It was cool to hear. Um, but I actually think the X, fire, X factor is Trey Lyles because not only is he an X factor going forward, I mean, he might be a part of Denver's future, not just this year, but but for years to come, but he could be one of those guys. He might actually be a really, really good player, 6'10", versatile inside-outside guy, and then you add the passing that he displayed. I think he was the second-leading assist guy for the Nuggets in the preseason. If he's able just to be a consistent player now, he's only in his fourth year, but if he can be a consistent player that dominates his mat- mismatch or his matchup uh, more often than not, then he's that just takes Denver to a whole nother level. You think about the the big six men uh, in the league: your Jamal Crawford's, you know, historically Andre Iguodala's, uh, Deion Waiters. Those are guys that every night they were a plus. It was like, okay, oh man, we got to tonight. We got to factor in Jamal Crawford off the bench because he's scoring eighteen a game. Lou Williams is this guy. You know, you look at it and you think, okay, we have our star to think about and worry about but now we got this other guy that changes everything Trey Lyles can become that guy I mean he has the talent that if he can become consistent with his talent then it's an every night thing where teams are thinking like ah we don't like to go to our rotation this way but we're going to have to because Trey Lyles is going to put up 10 points in a quarter if we don't I think that's a great thing so he's an x factor I think a lot of people are buying Trey Lyles stock right now I certainly am but it's far from a guarantee uh, we want to see it in the regular season. We want to see it consistently over weeks and even months. Um, but he is a huge X factor. If he has a great year this year, I think Denver ceiling goes up quite a bit. And then lastly, Wancho and Malik Beasley. Wancho Aaron Gomez, Malik Beasley, both question marks. I have no idea. You know, I would think that Malik Beasley probably has the inside track um, to play minutes, in part because he's at a position that maybe a little bit more in need. Um, Torrey Craig, I think, is probably going to play. I could put Torrey Craig in here in terms of question marks as well. But Juancho Hernan Gomez, Malik Beasley, they're the real question marks because I mentioned that I think the Nuggets are seven deep in terms of very reliable guys. He had Monte Morris in there, who I think is reliable, but you know he's not. I don't think he's going to light the world on fire night in and a night out. But then you got Juancho and Malik, who are two guys that could derail a unit. Um, they could save a unit. They're so good. Like we saw Juancho. When he gets hot and he starts knocking down his shots, he wins you games. Malik Beasley had a couple games like that, four for four from the three-point line. They win you games, but they both also are prone to just sort of 
mistakes, you know, a lot of mistakes in a short amount of time, just back-to-back-to-back mistakes, and a lot of that is on the defensive end. So they're the big question marks for me, Um, and they're also question marks, I think, for Malone. I don't know that Malone – I think he knows what his rotation will be for opening night, but if you asked him what will the rotation be in January, I imagine there's still a lot of wiggle room for both of those guys to break into the rotation or for them to be kicked out of it by somebody else. So for me, that was another noteworthy thing is – those two guys are big question marks. Thanks so much, guys, for listening to this one. Tomorrow's will be a pre uh, a preview show. Following that, it'll be a recap of game one of the uh, of the season. So we're at the exciting times. Thanks so much for tuning in. And again, go back and listen to the Will Barton special if you have not already. Uh, put more work into that. Poured, poured more of my heart and soul into that one than any show I've ever done. So give it a listen. Give it a download. Share it with your friends. Uh, and keep this Locked on Nuggets podcast going. Thanks so much, everybody. Be back again soon with brand new episodes. Thank you for listening to the Locked on Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.